Greetings, folks. Today we have the pleasure of sharing with you our 32nd Costa Rica Pura Vida Lifestyle Podcast Series episode that deals with the daily life in Costa Rica and the many questions that arise when thinking about moving here, visiting for a while, how one acquires their legal status, etc., etc. Becoming a resident of Costa Rica is a very involved process. More and more individuals and families, they're thinking about moving now and actually starting the process. Many people are moving to Costa Rica this year. There seems to be a, a very, very nice situation here where everything is perfect. There's a oasis waiting for people, the land of tranquility and easy laid back lifestyle. There's just a strong desire for a more sane and peaceful life for all who care to make it happen. Today and throughout the coming months, I'm going to be spending some time with Kevin McNamee. He's the representative for Costa Rica Immigration and Moving Experts. He and his team, they've helped hundreds of people acquiring their legal status and everything that has to do with moving here for many, many years. He's an expert, a professional, and a perfectionist when it comes to his business. So happy to have him here. Today, we're going to talk about the resident investor status. Kevin, welcome. Well, welcome. Thank you for the invite, Skip. Welcome, all the listeners. Hope you'll find today's dissertation of interest and of value to yourselves. I have, it's the third of three types of the most popular types of statuses, and I believe probably the more complicated one, but perhaps most rewarding for people that want to use their home as their vehicle to get their legal status. And a lot of people are asking about it right now, too. There seems to be a a couple problems with uh, people understanding this new law, whether or not it's in effect. And I'm sure you're going to cover that today, as well as everything else about uh, paperwork and requirements and this and that and the other. So go ahead, my friend. I'm looking forward to this. Okay, so am I. You'd be amazed how much you learn when you're talking. <laughs> okay. Resident investor status, by, by the very name, the nature of that status, requires obviously an investment. Currently, the investment amount is $200,000. There's some talk and some impressions left that it is has been reduced to $150,000, but in all honesty, folks know it is $200,000 investment in either real estate or CDs, stocks and bonds, any government approved project that totals a value of $200,000 qualifies you financially. Now, it doesn't have to be one investment. Some people say, well, gee, I I got a $180,000 house, but uh, I, I'm going to be buying a $45,000 Range Rover. Would that qualify? A resounding yes. The total is $200,000. People that are closer to a $200,000 value, but slightly under, simply can buy a, a CD for X number of years. Buy $10,000 CD, it puts them over. They can buy furniture and such for a house that they're building, that puts them over. So the, the amount remains $200,000. The, the, there's no question about that. We, are anticip we were anticipating that by now 
they would have gotten off their duffs and, and created or followed through on the incentive program, which was going to allow people to invest $150,000. But it has not happened yet, and some question as to whether it will or not, because a lot of folks don't realize we have a national election early part of next year, and the current administration probably 99.999% sure that they will not be re-elected if the party itself is ever re-electable. Thus, the new party will probably stonewall this or deny it for two reasons. One, it wasn't their idea, and secondly, they're pragmatic enough to realize that that bonus incentive of no duty on your vehicle or vehicles, because it's kind of two, or your household effects and such, was money out of the coffers of Costa Rica, which after COVID and such is, is desperately needed. So as a long-term resident in Costa Rica, legal resident, I'm a resident better myself, I, I wear two hats on that. I, I have empathy for the, for the individual coming here, but as a person living here for the last 25, 30, 30 plus years, I can see the financial, continued financial windfall for the government if they keep it installed or keep the, the current duty rate installed. Okay, there we are about resident investor status. Requirements of paperwork. Now this is the paperwork that we need you to bring down here with you. First off would be a passport. There must be a passport, a valid passport, for every person that's going to be in the on the application. Husband, wife, children, children under 18, children under 25, if they're full-time students, all must have a valid passport. We recommend that people have at least a minimum of six months left on their passport, six months validity on their passports. Ideally, couple years left on the passport or even get a new passport and use it and you have a 10 year, five or 10 year duration. One of the reasons why is that it is very cumbersome to have to change your passport number after renewing it while you're in the process of getting your legal status. It's just a, it's just a preventative problem solver by having a long-term passport. Next is the birth certificate. Excuse my rather lengthy ex explanation as to what we propose or suggestion would really like you to do. A birth certificate, everybody says, why should it have to be new? Well, the typical applicant says, I'm the same person, I was born the same day, same hour, the same hospital or wherever. My parents are the same names and such. Why in God's name should I get a new passport or a new birth certificate? Well, above and beyond the fact that financially governments enjoy a windfall of money when people apply for new documentation, the fact is the immigration will accept or entertain accepting 
your existing or birth certificate, but they have the little caveat saying, must be in pristine condition. Incidentally, all your documents have to be in pristine condition, but a birth certificate for a 65-year-old has been hanging around for 65 years. So the chances of it being unbent, unfolded, unstapled, or unwhatever, old IBM numbers, cards, um, spindles, yeah, that's the other term they used to use, they, it's very, very good chance that you will not be in pristine condition. We can submit it for you uh, on, on your behalf, no problem. But immigration, at some stage, may say, no, won't accept it, stops your application process, and you get a new one through the process again of getting it apostilled and such. And then we resubmit it, and it just, just slows down your process. So please, the famous last words you never want to hear from a salesman, and I'm, taking, I'm wearing a salesman's hat today, trust me. But in this case, do trust me, it is better to have a a new birth certificate, birth certificate also. Marriage certificate, yes, same story, must be new. They can't be, uh, uh, of course, this is for a married couple, <laughs> needless to say. If you're divorced, then it's simple to put on the application single. The only problem with that, if there is a child that's going to be on the application and she or he has the non-existent parent's last name, then the decree of divorce and name change, etc. has to be addressed because there has to be a tie between that child's last name and the other missing partner of the ex-marriage or former marriage, okay? Again, the, the marriage certificate along with the birth certificate must be apostilled. Proof of investment. Long story. Very simple. If you, if you purchase a house, I'm going to use this only as an example. It's not restricted to a purchasing a house, but if you make an investment in a house and it's worth over $200,000 or it includes a car and a house or furniture you bought locally, whatever. Okay, you have to have a proof that you made that investment. Your lawyer that you use for the closing will give you the documentation for us in Spanish and we then in turn submit it to the government here. No problem, to immigration here, which is the government. Okay, there's no problem there. Immigration will require certain other documents like you're applying for a resident investor status. Okay, you're an investor. Okay, as an investor, what kind of return do you expect on your investment? Well, duh, it's a house. It's going to pay taxes on it. There's not, I'm not going to be renting out the attic or the car, car or the garage or the whatever. But the fact is the government will require a proof from an accountant of your projected cash flow, which in fact will be zero, but it is a requirement. You have to uh, also show that there's property taxes are paid. If you have, and your lawyer probably will recommend you do this, it's up to you. We have our own 
concept of whether it's needed or not. But if you put it in a corporation, you'll have to prove the ownership of that corporation, usually done by a document called a personaria heretica, simple, simple document, but another document that you have to procure. The government will require that, again, the taxes are paid not only on the property, but any employees' taxes and, and salaries and such, and Social Security, which is the, their medical, has paid an up, 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 upkeep or up current, is the best word. So there's some paperwork requirements that are above and beyond having just a straight uh, other type of, 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 of investment. Now, nothing is totally onerous, nothing's going to be, oh my God, I wish I'd known. It's just a little more time, a little more expense, but quite doable. And it's every, every financial requirement for every status has a certain, a certain flavor to it that people shake their heads and say, why? And we commiserate with them and say, we don't know. Well, we do know it's, it's government bureaucracy and bureaucracy in Costa Rica and particularly immigration is alive and well. Okay, the, <clears throat> excuse me. Again, remember the resident investor status, much like the pensionado and rentista status, are temporary statuses. That means you cannot work. Now, there's a misconception saying, well, I'm going to buy a bread and breakfast. You cannot, you mean I cannot work at that? Exacto mundo, you cannot work at that. Well, wait a minute, what can I do there? You literally go and check the books to see if you're making money. That's what you can do. That's what you're limited to. A, a pensionado cannot even do that. They, they're not, they can have, own a business, they can look at it, but it has nothing to do with the qualification. Rentista, the same thing. You have money coming in, doesn't mean that you're making money outside that. The investors cannot work here in Costa Rica. They can buy the business, they can be in the office checking the books every day, but technically they can't order a printing of a new menu or a new pricing schedule. They can't greet the guests, they can't on and on. They can't make the beds, they can't make the food, they can't serve the food. You would, would be taking a job away from a Costa Rican even though you're providing the vehicle for that for that employment. Technical, but that's that's the fact. Would there be ramifications if you were found working? I don't know. I know a lot of people that don't worry about it and and they're here and healthy, wealthy and wise. So I only talk about what legally can be and cannot be done. So there's no wink wink in this business, but a lot of people seem to understand that the Cotrican government understand that you're employing people and they are not about to shoot themselves in the foot by closing down the very operation that creates employment for five or six maids, cooks, um, managers, etc., etc. Okay? Those are the requirements for the financial of it. The other document that you will need, as you will need it in all three statuses, is an FBI report. And that is to prove that you're not a, a wanted felon or a wanted person or that you have an extensive criminal record. 
it's a very thorough FBI report. It's uh, it's very formal. They will investigate you. It's amazing what the technology today. They can tell you when you when you got your driver's license, I suppose, and if you had any serious problems with that driver's license. Uh, I'm thinking accidents with an injury or uh, impaired driving or uh, under under an influence of whatever, on and on. But as a bit of a heads up, folks, they're not looking for the the, the saint that lived all his life in in a in a vacuum in a in a test tube, if you want. No, what they were looking for is the habitual crime criminal who had a problem. It's an obvious problem: uh, assault, battery. Um, the only the only guaranteed crime that you could have committed and would be recorded that would I would say 100% deny entry or or approval of your application would be child abuse. You know, Costa Rican with their mentality of family as such, they, uh, they, they value it almost above anything else. And uh, child abuse is, is lower than a snake's belly here. Uh, that's just, just not acceptable, tolerable. Uh, you'd be shunned in, in, in effect. So don't overly worry about it. There's no, there's nothing you can do to change it. Uh, if you do have a problem, but it's not a, an automatic, uh, uh-oh, uh-oh, no. Criminal charge when he was 18 for possession. Uh, damn to hell, he'll never be, never be allowed. That just doesn't happen. They want the serious one. They, I tell people jokingly that why they are so thorough on the FBI report or in the case of Canadians, FBI or on and on, every country has their own national police force is the fact is that we raise our own criminals and we don't need to import them. And everybody seems to understand that and appreciate the fact that a, a converted, reformed criminals are better than a, than a, than a or as good as a, a person that has not had a, a infraction. Okay. Now the FBI report, we recommend people use a Chandler. Chandlers are purely people that companies that facilitate the uh, submission of the FBI report. They hasten it by from probably two to three weeks to five to six days on, on average. And people are very time sensitive when they want to get their FBI report along with the other documents. So they take the FBI report and the, the other documents that we mentioned above that has to be apostilled, like the marriage certificate and birth certificate. And they take it, get it in apostille. Now, apostilling can be done. We we quote a, a name of a company on our webpage, Vital Lake. We also recommend strongly that you use a, a in-house service. In-house is as much as that the person that does our apostilling and Costa Rica immigration and moving experts have had a oh, a relationship that goes back 15 some years, 15 or more years and in various businesses, but uh, uh, ongoing relationship that will continue now for another 10 or 15 years, I hope. But uh, he, they will not only get your documents apostilled, they will also 
get your documents if you want. It's sort of a one-stop shopping fits all type scenario. So look at that. You'll see that on our webpage, on the front page of our webpage, down on the boxes below called Apostille Service. Or use the company Vital Link, that Vital Check rather, in in uh, we we mentioned on our webpage. So those are the documents required. Now, when you come here with those documents, or the chap doing the apostille has sent them over to us, our first step is to look at the documents and make sure everything is there, or most of the things are there. And if there's lacking one or two documents, we just simply create the application for you, have the paperwork translated, and submit them to immigration on your behalf, and then add the missing documents when we get them. But immigration does not start the process in either of the three, neither of the three applications until all the paperwork is present. Some people get tied up with the fact that, Kevin, I gave you my documents on February 1st, and it's now September 1st, and you're saying that they haven't approved my application. Yes, you did. You gave me some documents in January or February 1st, they gave me some on June 1st and some on August 1st. And August was the last of the documents, so we have September, August and September, or whatever date in August you submitted them to us. So really, immigration has started to work on your, your application one month only. So it's just a, a little heads up on that one. They only work when the, everything's there in front of them. Okay. Now, when we, in addition to the paperwork that you bring down with you, there's some paperwork that we have to create here. One, the very important limited power of attorney allowing us to represent you at immigration. You and your application, your, you and your whole family, every member. Simple, it's a power of attorney, operative word, limited, never, ever, under any circumstances here in Costa Rica or elsewhere, ever sign a general power of attorney, period. You put a give a lawyer limited, sorry, a general power of attorney. Sorry, I shouldn't say lawyer. I don't have a vendetta against lawyers, but you don't give anybody a unlimited power of attorney. You do that and your house becomes their house, becomes the new buyer's house, and you're out of the picture. It has to be restricted and ours be, are limited to representing you on your application at immigration. If you learn nothing else from this uh, whole scenario, please remember that limited power of attorney, restricted power of attorney, one and the same. Okay. Now, <clears throat> with that power of attorney, we create the, the formal letter of application to immigration for the status that you desire. The lawyer has created the power of attorney. He has to notarize your passport, particularly the page with the stamp on it. When you're getting your passport stamped coming in here, Make, ask the, the stamper, immigration officer, that for immigration purposes you'd like to have it on a single page and make sure the stamp is fully on the page, not a quarter or a fraction missing on the page because then we have to take it back to get re-stamped. Very important. Then the, the power of attorney is done, the, the notarization of your passport, notarization of your a signal of your uh, stamp, notarization of your 
letter of consent, which just means that you're aware of the fact you're applying for, uh, sorry, uh, I misspoke, letter of application, which is saying it's a formal letter stating that you are aware of the fact you are making this application, and the letter of consent is allowing a, a formal allowance that immigration can check your paperwork that you submitted. It just covers their butt in case they cover something that you didn't understand or didn't didn't realize. That's that's the requirements. We submit those to immigration along with the translated documents. We get a a receipt. We give that receipt to you. The receipt states that Mr. or Mrs. or Miss or Mr. or whatever the case may be. All the people on the application are no longer tourists, but rather people in process of getting a legal status here in Costa Rica. Once the paperwork is approved, we get another notice saying, sorry, in the, after we get that, we get a, a, a note from them about two weeks later saying we've inspected the paperwork that was to submit it, submit the balance of the paperwork. When we do that, then we get notice saying in process, and we start to wait after 90 days we start to follow up so that you know that we're not going to let your application stutter along or sputter along stutter along, sputter along the process we push for it. and the greasy wheel or the squeaky wheel gets the grease so it works and for 20 some years it has worked very well for us okay now let's see if there's anything else we need. Now that's that pretty well covers the paperwork, the application. It's a it sounds complicated, but honestly, when you've done several hundred of each one of these different types, it's uh, it's fairly easy. There's no real missing steps. Immigration now and then will add a requirement. We like to consider our prices firm. In fact, our charges. We break down the costs three different forms. One is our cost, which is what we we enjoy for helping you get your status. Period. Firm, no deviation. Without, if we're going to change the prices, we give everybody advance warning and say effective February first or January first, the price is going to increase by four dollars and fifty cents, something like that. But uh, the section two is the cost of the items that we actually obtain for you. The receipt from immigration, the receipt for change of status from tourist to applicant, the power of attorneys, the, the notarizations, the translation costs, on and on. These are costs that we pay on your behalf. Now, with the exception of translations, which are based on per number, per word, we consider them basically firm, but immigration can always at a $3 charge or so, which we pass on, but we're not talking about any major, uh, oh my God, you said 1000 now you're looking at $4,000. No, no, we're talking, you said $650, now it's going to be on $656. But uh, it's, it's just, I advise you this because that's the fact, the way it is. Section 3 is not applicable until you get your approval. And that simply is your security deposit so that if you become a persona non grata here for whatever reason, 
the government has a, a prepaid airplane ticket back to your country of origin. And the second charge in that uh, section three is the actual hard cost for creating the, the, the Dimex card or the cedula. You'll hear it named a lot of different names, Dimex or cedula or whatever. What really it is, is this little plastic credit card size document with your picture on it, your thumbprint on it, your signature, signature on it, and your cedula number, which is, is something that you'll memorize very quickly because of the constant use here in Costa Rica. Literally impossible, if not very difficult, maybe I should say the other way around, very difficult, if not possible, to get a bank account, for example, or a utility account. You need a hope, you have a hope, but you have to have a power. So there's a, uh, you, you'll need the essential, it's, it's the bonus, it's what the objective of this whole process is. Now, at, after you have had that legal status for three years, like I mentioned earlier, you can apply for and expect permanent status. So you would go from a temporary resident investor status to a permanent resident investor status. But with, uh, with the permanent status, you don't have to have any financial requirements to submit to the government from that time on because you can work. Not that you have to or want to, but you can. And you know, human nature being, what you can't do is usually what you want. So quite often, even a retiree, after getting the ability to work, starts working because they, they miss the camaraderie of an office or whatever. So that sums up pretty well the resident investor status and how to get it. And my name is Kevin. No, uh, how to get it, whether you use our services or, or whatever, use this information to your best advantage. And uh, of course, we're willing to willing, able, and want to help you all, all the way, along the way. Kevin, thank you so much. You've explained everything in depth. And again, we really appreciate that. There's so much to go over among the three <laughs> statuses. And I know that we have uh, tried to uh, push this into a little 15 or 20 minute segment. And uh, the good news is that you're always available uh, via email or via WhatsApp, and that's fantastic. Just a few things that I want to uh, stress. It's not that you didn't go over it well, but I just want to make sure that our listeners understand. And again, you've explained everything so well, and I thank you very much. Uh, first of all, your pricing is totally transparent. There's no surprises. I'm sure you're going to discuss pricing in your first conversations with your potential clients you'll have a thorough discussion of pricing. And I know many of your clients are those who have started with someone already and have unple been unpleasantly surprised three quarters of the way through the process. Is that correct? Yes, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put a percentage of the clients, but yes, we get, we get approached by people saying, would you take over our account? I'm not a big proponent of doing that because we all exist doing the best job we can. And usually when you talk to them, you'll find out that actually it's the applicant that is amiss, not the provider. But if they've had a download blown up, no, I don't want to deal with them, I will not deal with them. Of course, we're uh, pragmatic enough to, to assist them, either take over the account or, or resubmit the paperwork for them. 
But I just would like to add one thing, Skip, that I, I failed to mention. When we talk about the three different types of legal statuses, our charges are the same for all three. We don't, why I insist on that is that we don't want somebody to say, I know why you told me to use resident investors because you make an extra $300 or $500 or, or it's, it's $200 more than Pensionado or Rentista. Our costs are remain exactly the same, period. Therefore, when we say, okay, you're going resident investor, you know we have that focus, needle focus on your request and you'll get the service we would get. We will get the remuneration no matter which service you use, which application you use. That's a very good point. You have the client's best interest in mind and there's no reason to persuade them to to do one on top of the other. Uh, in fact, all three of the statuses which we have discussed in the past few days, the pensionado, the rentista, and the resident investor status, you said they were all temporary statuses. And this is basically the first step in becoming a permanent resident of Costa Rica. And I know sometimes that's hard to explain and it's hard to understand, but you are available to explain this further to any potential client if they contact you this coming week. Is that correct? Not only this week, but whenever. But certainly, certainly, the we work under the adage, and it sounds trite and it sounds repetitive and such. Only to me, self, because I, only repetitive, only because I say it so often. But folks, it's much, much easier to answer a question than solve a mistake. And you know, we we get <laughs> we get some pretty uh, off the wall questions. But understanding the person is nervous or excited or whatever or just has trepidation about asking questions don't worry about it there's, there's no there's no new uh, questions i guarantee you there's no there's no new uh, questions that we haven't heard already because uh, everybody's mindset is basically the same no matter what country you're coming from it's uh, it, it's the, the rules here apply to everybody equally so uh, no not not to worry about that at all Ask away, ask as many times you, as you want, ask the same question twice a different way because we understand that it's, it's, your, it's, it's in our interest to keep your interest in our services. Well, I wish I would have known that old adage that you just discussed before I married my first wife so many years ago. Uh, Kevin, just a quick summary, one more, two, three more things actually. The amount at this moment in time to qualify for resident investor status, as you said, it's still $200,000 and not $150,000. The reason I bring this up is that many of your potential clients with whom I've spoken, not many, but a few, have read incorrect information online and they swear up and down it's $150,000. And some of them are very hard to convince that they are indeed getting bad information. You and your team, because you are in the business of assisting individuals and families with their legal status and have been doing so for over 20 years now, you stay totally up to date and informed of all the laws, the rules, and the regulations. And they do change a lot, don't they? Yes, Skip. Now, that's a very interesting situation you just talked about. Yes, it is the law. That $150,000 is the required amount. No, everybody says, wait a minute, that's just different what Skip said. Here's what happened. Congress voted on it. Congress agreed to it. Congress submitted the paper to the president. 
the president signed the paper saying this is the law and then it has to be publicized in the La Gazeta, which is the official print organ of the of the of the country. Okay? It never went it never got published. Therefore it's not law. Therefore it's back in in, in, in hibernation. It has not passed. Even though it's law, it has not passed. So a lot of people that don't live in Costa Rica don't either black or white. There's no in between. Right now, it's not the law, and a very good chance it will not be the law. And I say that because the the current administration who proposed this, the, the deputies or congressmen that proposed this, are up for a, the general election in the early part of next year, and their party has got a chance of a snowball in Hades of getting reelected. So, the current opposition, who will be now the party, the, the government, they're looking at it saying, well, why should we support somebody else's proposal? We'll never get credit for it. Plus, they're pragmatic enough to know that what the government here proposed was, rightfully or wrongfully, I'm not making a judgment, but what they were proposing is removal of duty on household effects coming into the country. Okay, we can live with that. That's not a lot of duty. But believe it or not, furniture, your furniture coming down here is almost, is almost a joke. Uh, I used to be in that business. We would tell people, value it as, as garage sale prices. And so the sofa and chair, you might get which maybe cost you $1,000, $1,500, $2,000, $3,000 new, you're putting it down $150 to $50 for the chair. That sort of thing. But the vehicle, now we, we the vehicle, two vehicles, is a sizable amount. Let's just say on average $7,500 or, or, or $5,000 or $5, to $7,500 to $10,000 to $20,000 on a new Range Rover. More than that for a new Range Rover. But let's just say on average $7,500 to vehicles, that's $15,000 out of the general economy here. And yes, you, the, the person coming here, get the benefit. But what we living here and you living here will get also is the downside of more congested traffic situation and don't have the money to use from the duty to build new highways and such. So a person has to wear two hats on that. But do I think it's going to pass? No, I don't. Do I care? Yes, I would like to see it from the perspective of my business and from my perspective of my common sense. I don't know. Simple as that. Thank you. Finally, a quick, re <laughs> a quick reinforcement of what you discussed today regarding paperwork. This is so important. Uh, you mentioned for those documents that need apostilling, you have an in-house service with whom you've been working for 15, 16 years, and you suggest strongly using your in-house service because there's never been any problems, and this is huge. And I'd also like to reinforce the fact that for those who simply do not want to do any collection of paperwork whatsoever, and we get a lot of that when people call in, they just, they get nervous, you know, paperwork is such a negative thing in your, your entire life, you know, your team's going to take care of all of that. And this is an option that from what I know, no other company or attorney offers, and you will walk your client through the paperwork process if they want to do it step by step, or you can do it for them. And the ordering of a fresh copy of the marriage certificate, 
birth certificates, and really what a great service this is. It takes all of the stress out of the equation, doesn't it? Yes, but I just want to correct you on one on one thing, Skipper. There are other companies that are jumping on the bandwagon also that are doing this, whether they do it as well as we do. Uh, I have to say, based on my experience, because I don't know how well they do it, I have to consider ourselves as the best in the industry, but uh, that's a self-serving statement. fact is, uh, once anybody does a process over and over and over and over, they get good at it too. But it is available from other, other people. But the lawyers, I, 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 I question the ability of lawyers to get that documentation because it's just too con time consuming at their hourly rate to do it competitively. So we do it at our, we arrange for it at our non-lawyer rate so that it's feasible for the, the client. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure, and we have posted Kevin's contact information and his website address on the program notes associated with this specific episode. I urge you to follow up with him, even if you just have a question. That's fine. That's the start of a uh, potentially wonderful relationship, even if you're waiting for a few, two or three more years before you want to start the process. Uh, Kevin and his team is here to answer any questions. Uh, by the way, if you haven't already, be sure to listen to our first 31 conversations with Kevin regarding residency and the life in Costa Rica. All the links are posted at the, uh, at the bottom of the home page of his website at Costa Rica Immigration and Moving Experts.com. And if you like what you heard today, please share our link with your friends and family. Uh, somebody else might want to uh, have this information available to them, and we would appreciate that as well. And finally, if you come up with any specific questions or topics that you'd like Kevin to cover, let us know. You can send your request to my email address at Costa Rica good news at gmail.com that's costa rica good news at gmail.com this is our 32nd conversation we're going to have so many more and we're going to discuss everything that you wanted to know about residency moving to costa rica visiting costa rica and uh, hopefully this experience will make your experience in costa rica a little bit easier and more fruitful Kevin, thanks again. We'll see you soon for our next conversation together, talking about everything you need to know about acquiring your legal status and so much more here in Costa Rica. We really appreciate your time. My time is your time, big guy. Not a, not a problem in the world. Look forward to our next little meeting, seance, whatever you want to call it. But uh, have a good one, my friend. Hasta luego. <laughs>